It's nice to hear the band a little bit different this week, more acoustic, just kind of bringing us into a little more of a chill worship this morning and just uh, being able to focus in on what God has for us. And it's uh, great to be together. I'm glad that Paula and family are here. We're so glad. We're looking forward to your start at the end of July and, and looking forward to you just, uh, I told our kids, this is your new pastor. This is my kid's pastor. And uh, we're excited to have you coming and, and joining us. And, and also great to hear the Multiply update and to see that we're continuing to make progress and forward movement to celebrate the generosity of, of the church here, to see that, that project happen, to know the ministries that are, are being enabled and the future that, that's before us. So many exciting things going on. Well, today, we wrap up our series called Breathing Room. So let me ask you this question. Have you had some more breathing room over the last five weeks at all? How many of you have had some more breathing room? Let me see. It's been a conscious effort on your part. You've tried to find some ways to do that. Because it's easy to, to think like we've, we've been doing this for several weeks and we hear about it, but it's so hard to sometimes put into practice, isn't it? And so we're just, you know, coming back in again to try to figure out what do we do? How do we find that breathing room? But are we making an impact and a difference in our lives to have more breathing room. Now, I put you to the test this morning, and you didn't even realize it. Do you like that? I put you to the test this morning. How many of you um, stopped to smell the roses this morning? You know that phrase, right? Stop to smell the roses? Okay, how many of you noticed the roses as you came in? Let me just see. You get, you get points for noticing the roses. All right, some of you going, what roses? I didn't see any roses. All right, now you get lots of brownie points if you actually stopped to smell the roses. Who, who actually stopped and smelled the roses? One, two, three, four, five, awesome, six, all right, several of you guys, very good, okay, you guys earned some points. Now, on the way out today, you have to stop and smell the roses, they're out there in the lobby, just a small little test, right, because you, you couldn't have the time to stop and smell the roses because you had to get into worship so that we could learn how to have some breathing room, right? <laughs> so we get so busy, we move so fast, and so again, the question comes, do we put some of these things into practice, and over the last several weeks... We've been talking about the suffocating pace that we move on, how life feels like we're on a treadmill, and, and how do we carve out those times, those moments to hear God's still voice, to allow him to speak to us, to, to renew us, to, to help us when our emotional state feels frazzled and to, to get us re-centered and focused on him. Even last week, we talked about having financial breathing room and how that impacts our lives, to find some freedom to, to not only worry about what we want to gain out of life, but how we can bless others and, and what God wants to do through us to others and even find financial breathing room in that area. Now, it's been great to hear. I love hearing back from, from you as, as, as how you're applying some of these things and how you're learning and growing. And I had one, one person tell me, you know, after, after uh, my kids go to bed and sometimes, you know, their, his spouse goes to bed early and uh, earlier and so he'll go out in the backyard and he'll just lay down in the grass and look up at the stars for like 10, 15, 20 minutes and just chill out and have some breathing room. That's, that's some good putting it into practice, isn't it? And somebody last week, I mean, it was right after, right after worship last week, and we talked about having uh, breathing room in our finances and, and maybe, you know, stop taking our focus on other things and uh, off of what we don't have, appreciating what we do have, and, and practicing generosity. The person said, you know, I, I'm a fashionable person. I like fashion and, and new clothes, and, uh, and, and so I'm not going to buy any new clothes for six months, she said. But instead of not even looking at stuff out there and just not spending money, I'm going to look, and I'm going to look at the catalogs, and I'm going to look at the ads, and I'm going to pick out what I would want to buy. And instead of spending the money on what I would want to buy, I'm going to give that amount of money to somebody who has need. 
I like that kind of response to, to some of the messages. I mean, somebody who's just saying, you know what, I'm going to put this into practice, and, and that was their way of interpreting what, what God was telling them to do. So how do we find that breathing room, because it will make a difference. Now, one of the key scriptures that we've been looking at is, is, is found in Mark, where Jesus is speaking to his disciples. And, and we have it up here on the screen. It's Mark 8, verse 35. And he begins by saying this, if you try to keep your life for yourself, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will find true life. And it's this, it's this tension that Jesus says, the more we try to keep, the more we lose. But if we give up our life for his purposes and the things he's called us to, we're going to find true life. And then he asks this question, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but forfeit your own soul in the process? Is anything worth more than your own soul? And so even this whole series of breathing room is really a quest to find our soul, to, to come to life in our soul, because that's what gets crowded out in all these tensions in our, in our world and in our life. And, and what I want to look at today is how do we not only just get through? Sometimes breathing room is about getting through. I just got to get through today. I got I to breathe enough so that I can make it through for another day. And then we talk about maybe it's the Sabbath and this rest and finding a day off throughout the week where we go, okay, I've made it through another week. But sometimes we step back and go, I've just gone another day, another day, another week, another month, and we feel like we've started and come back full circle again. Do you ever feel that way? You're just not making any progress. Life is so busy, and yet it doesn't feel like we're really making any forward progress. Today I want to look at how do we find breathing room that doesn't just get us through the days and the weeks, but how can breathing room really move us beyond our present circumstances and help us to set our sights towards the future and what God is calling us to be the purpose that he has for us. And we're going to look at a story of Jesus here in just a moment. Let's pray, and then we'll turn our hearts and our minds towards God's word. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for a time to focus on you, to slow down, to listen. Lord, help us to hear your voice this morning so that we would be more aware of your presence and your call in our lives. Speak to us through your word, we pray. Amen. I want to look at the book of Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. Now, in the New Testament, we've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books of the New Testament, all telling different uh, stories of Jesus' life, all sharing us uh, the teachings and the, and the things that, with us, the things that Jesus did. And Mark is a little bit different than the, the others. They're all a little bit different. What's unique about Mark, when you read Mark, if you like fast-paced if you like energy, if you like action, if you like movement, Mark is your book. And as a matter of fact, it's also the shortest one. So if you want to read the, the story of Jesus in the shortest amount of time and you want to keep it moving, read the Gospel of Mark. And, and what we notice in Mark, it's fast-paced, it's moving. And the other thing we always notice in Mark is that the crowds were always present. Crowds were always following Jesus. And, and so you've got this sense of crowds moving and, and Jesus in the, is, is in the middle of them. But yet we never get a sense that Jesus was hurried or that Jesus was rushed. He seemed to move with intention and with purpose, even in a fast-paced world and, and, and where a lot of demands were placed on him. And so in, in Mark chapter 1, we, we, we begin to hear the story right off the bat in, in Mark where crowds are following Jesus because he's, he's been teaching them. He's been doing miracles and healings. And, and if, if uh, you're around Jesus and you're hearing the things he teaches— and there's life change happening and miracles happening. The crowds were coming and they wanted to have a part of Jesus. They wanted to engage with him. 
And as I think about this for us, what does this mean for us? Do you know that, that, that people are always ready to kind of put their agenda on you? Do you know what I'm talking about? People want to put their demands and they, they ask things from you. And if, you just, if, if you're a parent, you know this, right? Kids are constantly wanting things from you. If I talk to my wife, and if I talk to her, if I talk to her, when I talk to my wife, if I talk to my wife about this, uh, you know, she'll say like, especially during summer break when they're all home, the kids are clamoring and have attention and everyone has their need and everyone has their demand and their, their want and their schedule and what they have going on. And it can feel overwhelming. And maybe for us, it's, uh, it's in your work world. Maybe it's a boss. Maybe it's some coworkers. It's your department. There's expectations that are put on you. And maybe it's the expectations of a spouse or, again, your kids. Maybe you're in school and it's a teacher and, and constantly feels like everybody wants something from you. How do you find breathing room in the midst of chaos and busyness? And so you think, like, all right, I'm going to find some time to spend with God. But in the evenings, you're exhausted and you're tired. In the mornings, well, it's too, i got to get going. It's an early start. How can I find that time? And we struggle to find that time. And what begins to happen is, again, the days pass, the weeks pass, the months pass, and we look, and we're still where, it feels like we're still where we started. Well, Jesus felt this pressure. The crowds were demanding of him. They were coming around him. What did Jesus do to find breathing room? So let's look at Mark uh, chapter 1, and I want to look at verse 35. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. The next morning, Jesus awoke long before daybreak and went out alone into the wilderness to pray. The next morning, long before daybreak, Jesus went out into the wilderness alone to pray. There's a few interesting things that I find here is that breathing room doesn't just happen by accident. If we just wait for breathing room to come, it's never going to happen. This world is too fast. The demands on us are too, too strong. People want things from us. If, if we just wait, it's not going to happen. We have to find it. It doesn't find you. And I like Jesus' criteria here. When I, if, if, you know, this isn't like you know, a commandment here that this is how we have to do it. But what did Jesus prioritize when it came to finding his breathing room, finding his time? There were a couple key pieces here, and it was these. It was early it was alone, and it was away. If you want to find breathing room, if you want to find room to connect with God, to, to feel your soul and, and breathe and to have that relationship with God, for Jesus it was early, alone, and away. When did he get up? Before anybody was up. Daybreak hadn't even happened yet. Here in Arizona, that means you've got to get up at like 3.30, right, in the summers. I mean, that's early, but that's a commitment. And, 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 and this verse con convicts me oftentimes. I think, I, I'm just too lazy in the morning. I'm too tired. I don't want to get out of bed. The sheets are too, too warm and comfortable and I'm so tired. But he got up early because what happens early is that there's no one else around. He got up before the disciples. He got up before the crowds. He got up early because early also meant that he could be alone. And some of us are surrounded in places where we can't it feels like we can't get alone, especially if, you, again, you have a household full of kids. Maybe later, if you're empty nesters or single, that, that's not as um, difficult to find that alone space. But, but if you're in a, in, a, in a public eye like this too, Jesus realized, I've got to have some time to recalibrate and refocus early and alone and away. He changed the location. He changed where he was. He left where the busyness was, and he found a place, and it became a place where he could connect with his father. And I wonder, what does that look like for us? How, how do you get away? How do you get alone? 
And is it early for you or is it late for you? I talked with the staff about this this last week and we just kind of said, well, how do you find that alone time? Where do you find that breathing time, that, that space to pray, that space to read? And, and for many and for most, it was probably early in the morning. Because like you and others, we feel like the day gets going, and once the day gets going, it's hard like in the middle of the day to just kind of say, let's put the agenda aside and the emails and the projects, and we're just going to carve out time in the middle of the day. That's tough. There's something about those morning hours to begin to focus, to either read scripture or to journal or to pray, that begins to set our course for that day and to find, to find that rhythm. Now, some talk about just sitting out on the porch with a cup of coffee, right? And sometimes they don't really find that breathing room until about halfway through that first cup of caffeine. You know, it's funny how that relates in here. But, but it's, it's what, what's your rhythm? How do you begin to find that time? Some, it was walking and, and just going on a walk in the morning or going on a hike and getting into the wilderness. And I keep hearing these themes of it's got to be alone. It's got to be away and it tends to be early. I got some of you are night owls and you like the evening and the quiet of the evening. That's fine. But the point is that that breathing room and this alone time doesn't naturally find us. We have to make the time for that. We don't really know what happened during that time. I'd love to hear what Jesus said and, and what he thought. And, and, you know, I'd love to read a journal of what Jesus was saying during that time and how that, how that shaped him. We don't, we don't see that. But based on what happens next in the story, I think there's some things that we can um, deduce that happened during that time. So let's look at the next verse. So Jesus finishes praying. He's probably making, you know, he, he's, he's away. He's, he's, he's had that time. And then in verse uh, 36 and 37, it says this. Later, Simon and the others went out to find him. They said, everyone is asking for you. So Jesus got away. Now you know why he went away. But even when he was away, they went and came out looking for him. Jesus, everyone is asking for you. The demands keep coming. Once again, the demands of life and people are going to find you, and they're ready to set your agenda and define your purpose. Now we might look at Jesus and think in this moment, maybe like we see for ourselves, that if we had this time to to renew and to have this time away, then now Jesus is going to go back and he's going to say, okay, I'm ready. You know, God, you, you filled me up, and I had my time with you, and I'm ready to, to heal and to preach. All right, bring on the people. Let's go for another round, and let's go for another day of doing this. Because he's Jesus, after all, and that's what he would do. But I think his response surprised his disciples and probably the people that were there, and maybe it'll surprise us too. Look what he says in verse 38. But he replied, we must go on to other towns as well, and I will preach to them too because that is why I came. Essentially, what he said is no. <laughs> See, those people that are asking for me, that have the demands, I mean, I'm sure in that crowd of people that were asking was now somebody who had heard about Jesus, who'd maybe come a, a ways. Here they were coming with somebody that needed healing. Maybe they were needing some direction for their lives, some instructions, some, some time with Jesus. I mean, good things. And Jesus said no. He said no. There are other towns, and there are other people that I need to to go to, because that is why I came. Something in that time that he spent with Jesus, that Jesus spent with his heavenly Father, allowed him to refocus and to find out what is it that I'm to be about this day. What am I supposed to give my attention to and my energy to? And what's interesting is that Jesus said no to to good things, didn't he? He said no to good things, even things that seemed to be important and valuable. He said no to good things so that he could say yes to the God thing. That he could say yes to the God thing that he was called to, not just the good things. And I wonder in our own life, if we 
are constantly saying to, yes to all these good things that are coming in, that are flooding in, these opportunities that we have. But after we step back for a while, we realize we're not about the God thing anymore. We've, we've lost our direction. We've lost our purpose. And for Jesus to be able to say so clearly, because that is why I came. I mean, he knew his marching orders. He was clear on his mission. And I'm pretty confident that it was in that time that he spent with his heavenly father. And that time spent away where he was like thinking, I know the crowds are pressing in on me. I know there's demands and people want things from me and are asking things from me and they're good things. But, but asking his heavenly father, what am I to be about? Why am I here? Why did you send me? What's my purpose? And for him to come out of that time, immediately the demands come again and he's able to say, this is why I came. And he had the clarity and was reminded of his purpose. And then the next verse in Mark chapter 1, verse 39, he acted on it. He says, it says, so he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and expelling demons from many people. Basically what he said is, I'm going to act on these marching orders. This is what, I, I got my new direction, I've got my calibration, and we're going to do this. I've got to be about the things that God has called me to. Not necessarily just the good things, but the God things. It changed his agenda, it changed his plan, it changed his direction. And it obviously changed the course of his ministry because he then went and traveled throughout the area and throughout the region. As you think about this for your own life, I mean, I think we can relate to the demands and the pressures and the expectations that people put on us. And sometimes it's those moments where we step back and go, what am I doing? <laughs> what's this all about? What should I be focusing on? What's my purpose? What's my calling? These are big foundational questions, but how many times do you ask those questions? When was the last time you just got alone and you got away and you began to process going, all right, I'm looking through life and maybe you think about your family and your marriage and you're saying, am I being the kind of husband that I need to be? Am I being the kind of wife that I need to be? Am I being the kind of father or mother that my family asks of me? God, am I doing the things in this world you've called me to do? In the places I'm serving and giving of myself, is this what you've gifted me to do? Is this what you've called me to do? Is this the purpose you have for me? As you think about your work and your career and you, you really step back and say, I'm investing all this time and energy in my life into this, these daily hours where I'm serving and working, God, is this... What, I, what you want me to do? How do you want me to interact with the people around me? It's the breathing room times that help us recalibrate and figure some of these pieces out. Now, Mark Batterson this is, a, is a pastor in, in Washington, D.C., and he said these words, he said, which have just stuck with me, and he says this, change of place plus change of pace equals a change of perspective. Let me say that again. A change of place plus a change of pace equals a change of perspective. And I've held on to these words because it reminds me that when my perspective is too close to the daily things, the demands, the to-do list, the tasks, the emails, all the pieces, when it's too close to me, I need to change my place. I need to change my pace. And I begin to see a different perspective. Even as I prepare Sunday messages here, when I, I can't do that in the office. I can't do that here at church. It seems kind of odd because this is where you think you would prepare that kind of stuff. But somehow at the church here at the office, it's, the par it's part of leading a staff and, and the, the demands and the tasks. And, and my office has distractions on my desks and, and to do things. So I like to go somewhere to a coffee shop. Change of place. The pace changes. I'm not as accessible. I'm not uh, you know, surrounded by the things that are normally there. And I get a different perspective. 
And so we need to find rhythms where we do that in that breathing room place that begins to help us understand what are we to be about? How do we do that? What happens during that time? Now, it was a week, the week before last, I was able to get away for a few days um, to, to Prescott on a planning personal re- retreat. And I try to do this a couple times throughout the year. And it was one of those things where, you know, I've been in this role here and, and leading the church here for five, six months, and, and we've just been off to the races. We've got lots going on in this multiply campaign and Sunday mornings and staffing and hiring new staff and, and all these kinds of pieces where it's, it's like, I could just keep going every day, every day, just keep going. And, and, and sometimes you need to step back and, again, change place, change the pace, and get a new perspective and begin to ask questions. God, what are you showing me in this time? What do I need to be about? What are you calling me to? And, and, and look forward to the future. What, what are we to do? And what's so important about this idea is not just that we get alone and, and, and wrestle with our own thoughts, but that God wants to speak into us purpose and direction. It's his Holy Spirit that fills that place. When Jesus said, look, I'm going to be with you always to the ends of the earth. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. He's going to be your counselor, your comforter. God still speaks. He still wants to speak into your life. He still wants to guide you and direct you each day and into the future to lift your sights to the horizon. And actually in two weeks, we're going to begin a new series called God Still Speaks. God is still speaking into our lives and giving us direction and hope and comfort and healing. And and how do we do that? We need to spend time with him. It begins to to set our course in the right direction. When I think about this breathing room series, what does this space create for us? It creates room to breathe. It's a room to breathe in God's spirit. And I think when we take these times to recalibrate, to get alone, to get away, to get up early, it helps us to stop looking so closely at the things right in front of us and it begins to, to set our sights to the horizon, to dream, to imagine what can be. God, what are you calling me to? And as he speaks those things, just like Jesus did, when we begin to act on them, it begins to renew us and reminds us this is what we are to be about. This is why I am here. Can you say that? Could we say that as definitively as Jesus? This is why I came. This is why I'm here. This is what God has for me. And when we live in that way, our soul begins to breathe because now we know we're about the things that God has called us to. As we wrap up today and as we wrap up the series, we wanted to create a little more space even here in worship to to close, um, not just with a song and leave, but a couple of songs and some time for you to have a change of pace here in worship, change of place from your different ordinary uh, days and to really let God speak his, his truth and his word into you. And so we're going we're gonna to close here with uh, several songs. You're going to have opportunity to, to come to the cross and to, to write something out to, to God if you want, a prayer, a need, maybe a thanksgiving. Maybe you have a question, God, what is my purpose? What's my calling? What are you saying to me? Maybe you light a candle as a representation of God's presence. But we're also going to start with communion. Just to remind us of Christ's presence here, that he wants to fill us, that, that he wants to speak to us, and that he has forgiven us and given us a new beginning and a new life. I'm going to ask the, the ushers to come forward here so that we can pray. And, and today we're going to do communion as you're seated. The ushers will pass out, and I want you to hold on to the elements, the cup that represents Christ's blood spilled out for us, the bread that represents his body broken for us on the cross, 
this great act of love that was done for us on the cross. And together as a body, we want to just experience God's presence and thank him for what he's done. Let's pray, and then we'll enter into this time of worship. Heavenly Father, thank you for this story, this little snippet of your journey where you modeled for us the importance of this time to get alone, to connect with our Heavenly Father. And Jesus, this morning, we want to spend time with you. We want, to we want to push out all the noise and the distractions and the demands that come to us each and every day, and we just want to dial in to you this morning. Speak to us. Thank you for your body broken for us and the blood that was spilled out on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins so that we could find this freedom in our souls, that we don't have to search any further. In Jesus' name, amen.